I don't think we need a if if they never make another freaking slave documentary, it will be okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Black Girl Voices, a podcast created to cultivate change through conversation, community, and education while centering, uplifting, and amplifying the voices of Black women, girls, and femmes. Here we will talk about everything from trending topics to Black history to our own personal experiences as Black women. It's like a coffee chat with your best girlfriends. You will laugh, cry, keep it real, and most importantly, get uncomfortable. We are your hosts, Siobhan Montgomery Haynes and Caroline J. Sumlin. Come on in, girl. We have a lot to talk about. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Black Girl Voices. I'm Caroline J. Sumlin. And I'm Siobhan Montgomery Haynes. And um, it's probably been a little minute since you guys have heard our heard our voices, unless you've been kind of listening back to old episodes. But um we are happy to be back. We um we took a little bit of break for the holiday season, got a little bit recharged or, you know, as much recharged <laughs> as one can feel as mothers. But, um mm-hmm. you know, we took a little bit of a break and, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed your time with family. And I think it was the holiday season that kind of brought about today's topic. Uh, right during the holidays, you see a lot of holiday type movies and books and and um things like that and I think it it's a good time to talk about stereotypes and kind of not even just in the media but just like the way people portray black people in general yeah definitely I've been wanting to do an episode about this for a while actually because I think especially with the last year and some change happy new year by the way guys oh yes happy new year i hope i hope it is indeed a happy new year <laughs> right maybe it may where is it just hopefully 2020 20 times oh gosh, three or is it like we like, cannot be holding on we cannot be holding on um, <laughs> that's God. what it's like with this whole <laughs> omicron variant oh um gosh. but no so you know i think with the last year and some change two years what have you of all of the enlightened conversations around race. I think that's the best way to put it because we, yeah. you and I both don't like the term. <laughs> the awakening. awakening. Yes. <laughs> so the alight- enlightened conversations about race. And I mean, I've, I've always felt this way, always felt this way, but with those conversations taking center stage within mm-hmm. the last two years, it made me feel more this way. Like it really enhanced the feelings of that like impending doom or dread every single time there's a crime on the news and you just hold your breath because you just pretty much know it's probably going to be a black guy. Let's mm-hmm. be real. You yeah. you know, this is where this is going to be. This is black girl voices and we're here to be honest. And, um, and you know, not nine times out of 10, especially where I live, so my metropolitan area, that's what it is. There's shootings every single day in neighborhoods, in the inner city, not even in the inner city, just in, in the area, in the suburbs, everywhere, honestly. And the majority of the time, those are Black people that are committing those acts of violence. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 
you know, some sometime in the last year or so before I really limited like my comments and things like that on social media, I would receive a lot of hateful comments from That is such a blessing, by the way. Oh, <laughs> to be for able sure. to limit comments. Oh yes. my God. Anyway, yes, absolutely. But I had um, to say <laughs> But you know, before I before I did that, I received a lot of hateful comments from racists that would basically just talk about how we're all thugs, how we're all killing each other, mm-hmm. how we're responsible for all the crime in the United States, how we need to get our get our own people, um, how of course the people that we that we mourn, that those that have been murdered, that we mourn, how they were quote unquote no angel, they were criminals, they were this, they were that, of course. Um, always getting comments about black on black crime. You know, we know that um, the media uses certain vernacular, certain words to portray us that are not used to portray white people doing or committing the same acts of crime or violence or um, recklessness. And um, so those comments, of course, would always get me, would always hurt me, would always frustrate me. Um, and, you know, yes, we can argue back certain comment, certain comments about, you know, the myth of quote unquote, black on black crime. I hate those, you know, that terminology, but, you know, we can argue those things back, et cetera. But the truth is that there are very specific stereotypes about black people. We know this, this is one of the reasons why racism still exists because of the stereotypes of Black men, black women, black people as a whole, and um, and I just thought it would be a good time to to talk about kind of the truth behind those stereotypes from from, from many different angles, from yeah, in ed- an educational angle to our own thoughts and feelings behind those stereotypes, and wherever else the conversation wherever else the conversation takes us. Right. And I think um, I want to be careful in my words because I don't want, I, I'm, I'm not naive to knowing that there's crime in the black community. There's crime in every community. Right, However, right. I think, you know, kind of like the more and more books that I started to read, it was almost like, is there more crime in the black community or are there more is it more, A, is it more policed, which mm-hmm. we know the Black community is more policed, therefore more crimes are going to be reported, and B, are, are crimes more reported than, say, in white rural areas? Right. So right. I think for me, like, it really, because I used to feel the type of way, too, like, you know, before I really, like, I, I'd maybe say, like, my my late teens, early 20s, it was like, why, why are we always on the news, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I want better for my people. And it's, like, not necessarily that my people as a whole are doing bad. It's just that we're always villainized. Right. You know what I mean? And, again, that's not to take away any kind of responsibility from, from anybody. Crime as a whole is bad. We, we know this. But it, it just, like, it was, like, the more digging I, I did. There, there are, there are, there are reasons why it's always, it's always us, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think um, also a good, a good source, you know, if you have the time and, and I don't want to say energy, but you definitely need to have the time to really break it down because it's very information heavy, but uh, the new Jim Crow in, I want to say it's chapter five. She really, 
tried to break down the term thugs. And in it, she kind of talks about how we start labeling these children at school age, right? You know, we have school to prison pipeline and we start labeling them as bad and we start telling them they're bad. And then they start believing like, okay, like you're telling me I'm a thug. You're telling me all I'm going to amount to is this. You're telling, so that's what I'm going to do. And they do it as an act of rebellion to show, you know, to, to, to shut you up and to, to show you a, and then two, some of them really believe like, okay, this is all I'm going to amount to. So this is what I do. And so a lot of it starts with our youth and the way that we speak to our youth and the stereotypes that we put on our youth. Mm-hmm. because then they grow up to be the stereotypes and then you know that that goes into not only just you know the teachers and, and the parents and the people in those people's lives or in those children's lives but also the media the media tells these kids from a young age that they're going to be um they're going to be absent fathers we know that's like the biggest trope on tv absent it's all where it's always a black single struggling mom especially you know speaking for the holidays since that just went by it's always a black single struggling mom and the dad's in prison somewhere or he left the family and that's all they have to see themselves in and and it's representation is important we know that especially at these younger ages um you know and we could say that you know that's why it's important to monitor your kids tv it is we know that but we also know that all family structures and all homes don't look the same and we have some homes where kids are somewhat raising themselves and so uh, the, you know it's just there's so many different harmful stereotypes in so many different places that i think are bringing up these children to be mirrors of these harmful stereotypes yeah yeah, definitely. I think that that has, of course, a lot to do with it because, you know, I taught students that were, you know, in a neighborhood of D.C. where they were quite um, underserved, underprivileged, under-resourced, and most of those students were, you know, a couple grade levels below when it comes to reading and math and things of that nature, and lots of unfortunate home um, home incidents or home situations that children should never have to see, should never have to go through. These things are very real. And as we've spoken about before with generational trauma, things are passed down. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to come out of cycles of generational poverty, generational oh, yeah. drug addiction, generational abuse, things of that nature, right? So the real question is then why is why are these issues so prominent in in certain black communities? Mm-hmm. Because when we when we think about the black community and we think about communities of color and the way that we think about disparities, right? Mm-hmm. And pretty much we can say most inner city area and rural areas and things of that nature, but most inner city, rural, et cetera, areas have communities of color, neighborhoods of color. And most of those neighborhoods of color are lower income slash poverty, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So unfortunately, even though we know that that is not 
the entirety of the black community. That is the main picture that America has when they think about black people and people of color. Mm -hmm. They all live in these impoverished communities and they all have, they, they're all just committing crime all the time. Right. And this, this goes for not only inner cities, but also some rural areas where black, there's a lot of um, rural towns where it's predominantly black as well in the, in the United States. So the real question then is, well, then what caused that problem? Number yeah. one, but number two, the impoverished communities in the United States are not just the black communities. Exactly. There are impoverished communities everywhere. Rural white communities. Rural white communities are quite impoverished. Very impoverished. Drug abuse, addiction, poverty, um, and other uh, right other other um, you know traumatic circumstances mm-hmm. run rampant through white communities as well. The, the truth is that these things follow poverty. These yes. things do not follow race. Right, which is why for me it's like. You know, when people talk about stereotypes, they talk about it as a people issue. Like it's like something that needs to change within the community. Right. But it's a, it's, it's a it's a racism problem because I would like to argue and not argue to you, but argue to those people. Right. Why then is there no stereotype for white males who have uh, when we look back into our history of schools and school shootings, we have young white boys. When we look back into um serial killers primarily for the most part white men yep it, 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 when we look back into the brutal killings of 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 black folks we have kkk white white males right. police you know who were all also police officers and 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 those things so we have this stereotype of white men oh and not to mention january 6th what primarily Hello. white males who are domestic terrorists so why don't we have that same energy for white males why are we not calling them if we want to call black men dangerous um what are dangerous hood rats why are we not calling white males domestic terrorists because if i'm honest i think the answer to that question is because we have when, when you see success and power in our country you also see all white males. So or because the country is built on domestic terrorism well, and white well, males. Of course, but I'm saying that has allowed yeah. white males to be in the positions of what is deemed as does mm-hmm. it mean it's success and power? I'm saying what is deemed as success and power. Yeah. So then the white community can justify these as one-off instances. Right. But when you look at positions of power in our country, and I don't say just po- politicians, I'm saying anyone in higher fortune 500 positions, CEOs, politicians, anyone in any sort of quote unquote successful or powerful decision-making right. Um, position, right? You don't see, you see nary a black male. There's, there's very much not, you know what I'm saying? There's not much. Right. But you see pretty much because of racism, it has been designed to have it so that, well, 
the majority you can you can you think you can say to yourself oh look the majority of all black people are like this because you're not if you were able to see just as many black men and black women in yeah, positions position of power, power and and right. the and the and the power and the and the success and the it wasn't the always just like anomaly everything was equal Mm -hmm. it, it was it was equitable it was equal we didn't have the issues we have that everything would just seem like oh just one-off people here and there but the truth is that like you said our country being built on generations of exploitation and generations of domestic terrorism and generations that that forced black people out mm -hmm. of their wealth and forced them into poverty the uh, the almost the entire community right the redlining the oh, gentrification right. the the war on drugs i mean now you're going to get you know we've got such a small population of black people in this country 13 percent and out of 13 percent of the of, of the black population i want to look this up real quick I, I and i will when i'm done talking what's the percentage of black people living in lower income situations or, or well, lower, it lower class etc and i saw our average household medium it, or our average household income for the average was like or generational wealth excuse me generational wealth for black folks was thirteen thousand dollars to white people's like i want to say god i want to say it's like in the hundred thousands i don't know the exact number but it's that extreme Mm -hmm. it's like thirteen thousand for us and it's like a hundred thousand plus for white folks that is absolutely crazy. I, I, there, there are no words. But I want to link a TikTok video um, in the show notes with an extreme trigger warning for Black people. I would just, I would advise you to just skip on over it. But since we're talking about stereotypes, there was a guy, um, he was like outlining our history and he was like, they call us animals. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how there were actual games where they would rape our children and watch. Um, and I, there, I, I don't even want to say too much in the podcast because we do have black listeners and it, it's an extreme trigger warning, but I'm going, we're going to put it in the show notes with the trigger warning. And I want white, I want white people to watch that. And he goes down the list of all of the things that they do or do or have done while calling us animals because we know that the animal stereotype has gone back as far. I mean, that's, that's, that came over with us. That's, that was one of their justifications for being able to quote unquote enslave us was we were animals. We weren't civilized. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the things, uh, some of the stuff, you know, you, you, you know, a lot about your history and you, you've heard a lot about like slavery, but some of those things I had not even heard about some of the games that were played and my heart was breaking. Like I was crying while listening to it. And it's just like, where, how do we, why do we never keep that same? For me, it's just keep the same energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, that just, them. that goes for white women too. You know, we, we haven't even touched on that. <laughs> right. Um, I'm looking at this graph, this, um, yeah, this graph by census. And the poverty, while the poverty rates have fallen, which is awesome. Um, interestingly enough, the poverty rates for non-Hispanic white people have pretty much stayed the same since 1975. Pretty much really even until that's this last, which is um, the, the date goes until 2019. And that's 
between seven and 10% of the white population being in poverty. In 1965, 40% of the black population was living, living in poverty. 40%. So for the black population to make up 13% of the overall population, which in 1965 was less than, I don't know how the percentage of what we made up with the population, but I'm sure it was probably less. Obviously, population has grown. Right. Um, for our poverty rate to be 40%. And then from there, thankfully, it has gone down slowly over time to the point where it is now at 18%. Mm. But we are still the highest group of people in poverty 18.8 percent for blacks why did i say blacks i apologize Ooh, girl you know that's my trigger I, I know, well i didn't say the blacks I <laughs> you didn't, didn't say, say the blacks okay you did not say the yes um for black people <laughs> um hispanic people of any race is at 15.7 percent mm-hmm. At one point in about 1995, Hispanic people jumped up a little bit over Black people, but it was pretty much like two two percent. Like it wasn't. It was like pretty right. much neck and neck. Um, Asian people uh, in 1985 made up about 20 percent of population in poverty and has gone down to right where white people are, which is 7.3 percent. So we are still disproportionately in the highest levels of poverty in this country. Um, and it's not okay. And, right. it, and, that's, and that's, that's why we see what we see. Not to mention, of course, you know, we know that arrests and things like that, uh, things of that nature in the black community are also made when things are not really happening, you know, yeah. that, oh, that's, yeah. that's a whole other part. But I'm just saying as far as just like, what does cause some of those rates to be a little higher in our oh, communities absolutely. are poverty. because we be were that. forced into poverty mm-hmm. and we were forced into drug addiction and we were forced into the communities. And then our communities were, were, were purposely underserved and purposely like this was all a part of the design. Right. So for people to honestly think that we as a as a race have some sort of like innate like inherent thing to just be more violent and be more criminal than any other human or race is wrong we are just as likely to commit a crime as any other race mm-hmm. when it comes to just personhood and race what causes right. people to commit crimes are mental health addiction poverty etc cetera, etc cetera. So until that problem is solved, and clearly ain't nobody trying to solve it, unfortunately, until these problems are solved, this will continue to happen in our communities. And, and honestly, no, no one is trying to solve these problems. No. No one is trying to solve these problems whatsoever. Because they so. created them. So. <laughs> Yeah, so they're no, we don't want it. We don't want they, to solve. They created problems. the problems, and they can blame on, blame it on us. And mm-hmm. then, of course, take the problems they created, and then, as you were stating, you know, kind of what dramatize them mm-hmm. in media, etc. And don't get me wrong. There's there's certain there's I have I, I will I will be totally honest and say. 
that I have a love-hate relationship with black media. Black media. Oh, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody if, if you're- They if love you're black, to, our trauma. My gosh. Right. Well, if you're black <laughs> and you're listening and you think that that just, for whatever reason you want to just go ahead and take my black card here, I'm handing it over. But- <laughs> I do, though. Um, I, but I know what you're saying. Yes. I, I have totally a love-hate relationship with black media because on the one hand, and there's, there's this really cool documentary on Netflix that I just finished watching, watching called They Gotta Have Us. It's lit. And it's a three-part documentary series about the history of black, Blacks in film. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it starts from the very beginning of the, the very first Black actors, of course, um, that portrayed mammies and things of that nature in the very first movies that black people of color could be in and talking about all the different rules there were like for example there was this one movie where um i forget really fine fine black actor back in the day i can't think of his name right now um so many back in the day i know um and and he had he had relations with a white woman but like it was illegal for a white man and a in a excuse me for a black man and a white woman or black person a white person to have relations in that way so mm-hmm. in the movie, and he couldn't, like, he couldn't touch her. He couldn't kiss her. So literally in the movie, they could not do that. So they had to find a way to essentially, like, bring the heat and bring the, the feelings and the, and the romance to their relationship on screen without ever touching. It was bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think it was, maybe it was, t- maybe they could have touched, but I know without, with ever, without ever kissing, I know for sure. Um, so it starts, it starts with that, but then it gets into the creation of a lot more of our hood movies and, and, the, and the creation of how those movies came about, so, you know, where, where, how Spike Lee got his start and how Boys in the Hood got, got its start with, um, was it John Singleton, I think? Um, and, and, um, and how they wrestled with, of course, like, you know, telling black stories because at the end of the day and i think this is where conflict occurs when it comes to like black culture a little bit because even though they forced us into these stereotypes like you said when you're forced into it and told that's all you are well then what do you do you embody it you become right you become it right so now that has become a part of not all of Okay, big difference, but it's become a part of Black culture, a part of yeah, the Black absolutely. story. Right. right? And we embrace it. Exactly. Because just like we talk about, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you have, if you um, battle with drug addiction because that's a disease, or there's nothing to be ashamed of if, you know, in, insert thing here that people t- typically mm-hmm. have a stigma over. That's the same thing with this part of our culture we've embraced it we've as we always do we find a way to turn that thing that white people tried to you know do for evil use against us is much better ways use against us and we always turn it into good we turned it into pop we turned it into a a profit we flipped it into profit we we made it the what the most dominant culture pop culture in our country that's what we did Mm -hmm. right um but the downside to that 
is that even with a lot of these black movies and even with the rise of black directors and black producers, the people in positions of power making decisions, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. On these movie sets, even if there were, like I said, black directors, black producers, there were still white directors and white producers that were saying, we need, we're going to make this more, be more black, be more thug, be more this, be more that, you know, forcing educated, prominent black actors like Robert Townsend into some of the same roles. Exactly. And saying, you got to be like this, you got to be like this and, and, but making it even more, making it more dramatized, like, like the way that we speak and the way that we act and our own culture, take that and put it on steroids and you have what you see in the movies, absolutely, which then further feeds the problem. So instead of it being a beautiful artistry of our stories and our culture, it now becomes further, it, it becomes a part of the problem. It becomes, right. it feeds that narrative and, you know, black men, black boys that are feeling already incompetent, feeling like they're never going to amount to anything, living in poverty, seeing what their daddies and their uncles and this, that, and the other are going through in and out of jail, et cetera, because they're caught up in that lifestyle. They go to school, they struggle to read, they struggle to write, they struggle to do their math. They get to, you know, they get called to the office, they get sent to the office all the time and they go home and they turn on, they turn on the music and the movies, et cetera. And they hear nothing but gangbang and they're thinking that's the route. Right. And the cycle continues. Not knowing that these people are doing this for education at this, I mean, not sorry, education. They're doing this for profit at this point. Like half of these rappers aren't even living the life that they're right. rapping about. So they're listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, they're doing this. It's like, no, he's going home to his mansion in Beverly Hills with his right. wife and getting massages and drinking lattes. So th- <laughs> this is not this is not what you want. Um I think mm-hmm. for me it was like where I struggled in black film. There there were two kind of two big things I struggled with. One, I don't think we need a if if they never make another freaking slave documentary, it will be okay. Okay? <laughs> I think we make those for white people. We don't make those for black folks. Um I beg to differ, but I, I'm I'm very I'm very alone in my opinion on that. I think, so I, I'll I share my we, opinion, but I'm I'm I know that I'm a little different when it I comes. I think to a that. lot of the times they make those. I'm, okay, so there were some I like. I enjoyed Django and, and things like that, but then that that to me wasn't so realistic because look who was like winning in the you know and like Django was kind of okay. Like, but did you watch Underground? Did you watch Underground? I did, and I did enjoy that. That Hello. I don't know why they canceled that. That I was, was very upset. Li- John Legend. Canceled should have underground yeah on um, you know what that. underground there's an underground and there's an underground railroad the one that yeah. was like real like it was like a it was a stunt it was it was it was during john slavery. legend was the director i don't know maybe oh. it was during it was during um it was it was it was like a suspense though was it journey Smollett? it was underground it was underground railroad because oh, it was it was like a, it was like a fantasy about how if the railroad had actually been a real train Oh, I have heard of that, but no. It yes. was so good. I, I oh think, my gosh, listen, I that was those, so lit though. I think those are different. When I think slave documentaries, I think like 12 Years of Slave. That's not and, a, you mean well, not a documentary, but I mean like yeah. movies, not, yeah. not necessarily yeah. documentaries. I feel like those are made so much more for white people. I don't think we need to... I don't think we need another one. Mm-hmm. I think if white people need any more black trauma porn, there's enough documentaries and movies for them to go back and watch. I, I had a problem with that. And 
I know some people love him, but I wasn't feeling Tyler Perry for a while because it was the same narrative oh, every single same. movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, Didn't listen, like I love Diary mm-hmm. of a Black Woman. The first one was great. I loved the that first movie. I was I was for it, and then it was like the same movie over and over again. It was a struggling mm-hmm. black woman who you know had yep. three oh, kids, yeah. and and I don't think we need that narrative all the time too. I think I want to see more movies with us on top with our joy with our just even I think that's why I like uh uh insecure so much with mm-hmm. Issa Rae because it's just like it's black women doing their thing they're mm-hmm. not I mean when they're down and out it's like regular down and out like they're having boy issues like I right it's, it's regular, not they're not struggling in it's in it's poverty. like it's like the the realest like if you want the real black culture oh gosh that's so it good. right there it it's is so good. it is black women that went to university that yes a that you know doing her thing that, yes molly's a lawyer uh, right like she's, it, that's, you know, doing her thing but it's, it's still black thing. culture like it's, yes. it's not you know black black people that are successful don't turn into white people like i know you like to think that exactly. we do but right. no like we're and there's no comparison about it like it's like fine. people exactly that's what i love about it too like molly <laughs> Molly can get real, real black, blackity black real quick if she needs to, but then she can also put on a presentation and wow your socks mm-hmm. off. Like, that's what I love about it. And I think I want more, I want more media like that. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, do I think that there was once a place for hood movies? Um, and, and I, and I still think there's, there's, there's a place for those. Um, I think that obviously the, the hood is a real thing. Like it's, it's not going anywhere. It's a real thing. So people tell them their stories and things like that, but I don't think we need to glorify this, this, this life. Cause honestly, I think the only people that are glorifying it or the people who are that interested about it are white folks. And all to me, all it does is further their own narrative of us. Right. Right. You know, like I'm thinking about, um, uh, hustle and flow great movie and it gave yeah. Taraji P. Henson her start but at the end of the day if I'm a white person not knowing anything about black people and I watch Hustle and the Flow that's what I'm gonna think black people are about right again, we have to remember that white culture is the dominant it's just mm-hmm. everywhere there's no question of what that is so then I struggle with is, bending to that well you know, right, right but I'm saying any you. anything that is like a a, a a um i want to say negative but anything that's that's a controversial portrayal maybe mm-hmm. it, of of white people like for example if there was a movie about a, a dude who shot up a school right right that's there not all of a sudden going to be portrayed as this is the epitome of white culture right here that's right, going to be exactly. this is the epitome of a troubled white teen that or, or a troubled team. That is like take the white out, right? You're just gonna oh, a, a troubled team. This, right. is, this is an issue in America, and we need to do something about our teens and their mental health. But you show a movie about you know black, and there's plenty of these black black kids in inner city high school that mm. struggle to read and this that and the other. That that there's that's, always a white savior in the movie. Don't white, get started. A white that. savior, right? A this teacher is the, or something. This is the epitome of black culture, and all the white boys are like this. I'm excuse, excuse me. All the black all the boys black are boys like are like this. So there, it's it's to, the the consequences of our portrayal of our film of our media. Unfortunately, we don't have the liberation right. to just do what the f we want to do with our stories, with our media, with our music, with our whatever, without it having a negative consequence on mm-hmm. who we are as people. Right? You know, 
and but it then sucks that we even have when to walk we, on that eggshells. Yeah, when do we when do we stop bending to that? You right. know what I mean? When do we stop bending to it? And when when how can we be conscious about it without letting it run our creativity? Which mm-hmm. there, I'm not saying that as if there's an answer. I mean, hey, if if you guys have an answer, let me know. But how how can you be conscious about the stereotypes and not letting it define your community without bending to their their will and exactly. letting them stifle our creativity? I mean, I think I mean I I don't think there's going to be an answer to that for a while. And, and realistically, <laughs> the stifling of our creativity has been to stifle it into only that box a certain type of right in in that box this is all we want to see of you we, we right. created we created this it causes real harm to your community the hood the thug culture etc cetera, etc cetera. like yes there's positive parts to it but it also we i don't think anyone wants this for us we don't want this for us either even people that are living it right i don't, I don't right. think i talked to any student that really wanted to just stay in the hood they all like, I want to get out of the hood. I'm going to get out of the hood. Yeah, exactly. And so they stay in the hood. Yep. But they all want it. They, they, their dream would have been to get out the hood. And then, of course, they start thinking the only way to get out the hood is to either sell drugs or to, or to join the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are the only mm-hmm. two things they could see. Or NFL, right? right. Um, or to be a rapper. So sorry, let me add that to that. Or, well, that's, know, I, I think the four routes I can take, and I'm a black boy in the hood, is the only things I can see for myself. But no one really wants to stay in the hood. And I think it's they- interesting that you said that, the, the NFL or the NBA, or because in Shouting in the Fire, Dante Stewart had talked about that, about how differently white folks respected him when he had on that Clemson jersey. He played football for Clemson and he was mm-hmm. talking about how when he was on the field he was a god to the white people. Mm-hmm. Like they like worshiped him and there was a time, you know, before he transitions later on in the book without me ruining it for anybody, but there was a time where he started to crave that validation because along with that validation there was a safety. He mm-hmm. was now seen as safe mm-hmm. for those white people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, there's a win-win. There's power. There's, he's safe. He's safe. They, they feel safe. And um, I think that that's a lot of reasons too why our young men get trapped in those boxes. Absolutely. Because there's, there's white acceptance. In those and that's boxes. the only time there's white acceptance. That's the thing yeah. too. Yeah. They created these stereotypes that, and, and then it's like, and then, and then the margin to actually even be able to be in that like those four little paths of success that that have have been deemed acceptable acceptable for black people are so narrow on purpose for a reason and then that's the only time we're accepted but any other time we want to do anything else with our lives you know be it go to school get a degree and be it the ceo of google (laughs) yeah full stop better not but like oh that's a good dream Right. But now we're gonna we but now wanna be put you on the diversity and equity. We're gonna gonna ban your book. Okay, yeah, that's all you good for. We'll hire you for the DEI. No. Mm, We'll hire you to meet our diversity quota. That but that brings me to to so many times. Like my son's he's pretty tall for his age. Um, and I just remember so many times people would be like, I bet you play basketball. And I would just look at them, I'd be like, He actually loves golf and he likes to read. They'd be like, Oh. And it's like, what's the, oh, what's, what, what are we so shocked about? You, you assumed he played basketball and didn't even know that he completely has no athletic skills whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But, but what, why are we so shocked? You know, and I mean, that, that's a stereotype in itself. 
of our children. Just, I mean, when we first moved here, we moved, uh, we played sports in, we didn't play in our, um, in our county. We played for the next county over, which is um, very, very white. And he was the only white person on his team before my um, husband and I were like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Your child is the only white person on his team. Or sorry, only black person on his team. Yes. (laughs) And so we pull up. And they're like, oh, he's going to be great. And they put him at quarterback to their, to their dismay. <laughs> but <laughs> they, yes, they were like, oh gosh. Yeah. Like I bet he's so good. And I'm like, he's never even played football before. Like, you know, it's just, it's those things. Yep, and it's yep. that, and it's that also, honestly, it's that extra layer of parenting too. Like we are dealing with our own stereotypes as adults and having to watch out for the stereotypes of our children at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, know, there's no easy way to navigate this. And there's, there's a whole nother side to this too, that I think we need to talk about, obviously not in this episode, mm-hmm. but I think we'll do a part two of stare, these same stereotypes, but coming from a black perspective in the black community. Yeah. Like how they affect us within our own community. Yeah. And the... some of our own harmful thoughts. Oh, Absolutely. Because we got some toxic stuff we need to unpack too. Now, can't nobody talk about those toxic thoughts about us. So mind, mind black business. Mind your business. Mind your business. Okay. Mind your business. Right. You can listen. But we don't need no opinions on how to fix it. Right. <laughs> but, but no, yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely, we'll do a part two to this. Um, I, I definitely hope you guys enjoyed it. I think it's, it's this is like a forever topic i think this is one of those things that's ever evolving because it's just mm-hmm. constant yeah. it's constant um but it, it ha- it's one of those things that has to be talked about and if i'm honest i have not seen a gosh darn person talking about it yeah. when it comes to the conversations around race lately mm-hmm. and i just it's it's like it's one of those things that was just tugging like right just, You're like, I got something to say. <laughs> I got, I've got things to say, okay? Hey, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things. So, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to part two. It's going to be a really great discussion. So tune in next week for part two. Um, but on that note, of course, as always, you can please, if you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, rate and review on iTunes if you have not already. And if you'd like to support our show financially, you can choose a plan on Patreon to support us for as little as $5 a month where we give you guys bonus episodes and um, bonus content. And we have these really cool like chats on Zoom every quarter. So like there's there's so much more to Black Girl Voices. And, um, and you could also, of course, follow us on Instagram as well to stay in the know and get the latest on everything and also get a lot of our educational content over there. All those links will be in the show notes as, as well as anything we've talked about in this episode. And as always, we will see you in the next one. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the black girl voices podcast. If you love today's episode, we would love it for you to leave us a five-star review. If you would like to support our work, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash blackgirlvoices or head to our show notes for the link. Lastly, we would love to hear from you. Come follow us on Instagram at blackgirlvoices and say hello. Remember, you are heard, you are seen, and you are loved. Your voice matters. You matter. See you next time.